0: Makes it grow.
1: Its energy surrounds us, combines us. The core of the force. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got the dark side, the light side. One is selfless, one is selfish. And you want to keep them in balance. What happens when you go to the dark side is it goes out of balance, and then you get really selfish, and you forget about everybody, and you ultimately lead yourself. Because when you get selfish, you get stuff. you want stuff Mm -hmm. and when you want stuff and you get stuff then you are afraid somebody's going to take it away from you whether it's a person or a thing or Mm -hmm. a a particular pleasure experience Mm -hmm. once you become afraid that somebody's going to take it away from you or you're going to lose it then you start to become angry and that anger leads to hate where joy by giving to other people you can't think about yourself And therefore, there's no pain. Amen. Now let us (laughs) pray. Remember, the force will be with you always.
0: Episode number 316 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And Scabe. And we are talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi the show, part four. It's our ongoing summer loving Obi-Wan Kenobi month of June.
1: Relax. Take a deep breath.
0: Hello there Hello there I I hope you like Kenobi Because there's a lot of it (laughs) It's a lot of Kenobi We're talking Kenobi all month long We're riding this thing all the way to the end I'm glad we're doing it I'm having fun doing this You know, this is where we're working it all out We're talking about this show I'm having a good time We don't normally do like Normally, like when shows are out Like even Mandalorian, it's like We'll do one episode And then we're going to talk about a whole episode about Yoda's hands. Right. You might want to talk about Mandalorian more, but we're going to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to pretend it's not even happening. Yeah, so it's kind of weird to be talking about Kenobi again, but it's cool. It's extra cool, I think, for me this week, because I'm really into this week's episode. Whatever hesitation I had last week is gone with this week, because I think this week has uh, they're sprinkling in my secret blend of sweet stuff in this one. So, yeah, I'm riding high on this week's Kenobi. Which is interesting. Like After the episode came out on Wednesday morning, you texted me that, and I was like, interesting. And then when I watched it again on Wednesday night, and I watched it from that perspective, being like, "Well, I wonder why this one got Gabe more. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> because this one does have... A little bit more ridiculous stuff going on in it. There are times where it kind of remind me of Die Another Day in weird ways and stuff. <laughs> it's there's silly. There's more silliness in this episode than probably any Kenobi episode. But it's a it's an Obi Wan Kenobi the show brand of silliness. It's not Boba Fett holding a rabbit droid, telling a rabbit droid his name is Boba Fett. You know, it's not that level. It's like we said last week. It's different flavors. Yeah, it's different flavors, but this one had a little bit of. There's like a a little jar of Gabe likes this stuff spice, and they sprinkled a little bit on the top. But you know, and this one also had the the deep talk, the thoughtful stuff that we've been talking about with this show, and I think one of the most important deep thoughts going into part four here of Obi Wan Kenobi the show. Where the hell is Baru? Where are you going? Where are you going? Oh, and he can't stay
1: here forever. Most of his friends have gone. It means so much to him. Hello? Hello? All right, I'll be right there, Aunt Baru.
0: It's a good question because we've been waiting 20 years for more Baru. And we saw her at Celebration. She was little, she was tiny up there on the stage, but we haven't seen her in the show yet. To me, she was huge. When when they said and Bonnie peace, and she came out we were screaming like maniac. Our whole row was screaming like maniacs. We were shaking our Pringles cans in the air. I was tempted to rip open my box of Frosted Flakes and throw it all over the, the rows in front of me. That, that's a true story. That was It was very close to happening. <laughs> my, my fingers were on the ledge. I ate those Frosted Flakes, too, and they were delicious. Yeah, which is why you didn't open the box and shake them over everybody because you knew— <laughs> You knew you'd be missing out on that sweet treat when you got home. I want to save those frosted flakes for when I get back. If we were smart, we would have thrown the popcorn on everybody. Oh, well, it would have just <laughs> bounced off that rubber popcorn. <laughs> I think that popcorn was in Kenobi's pocket when he swam under the water into this week's episode. He was smuggling in all the popcorn into the celebration. But okay, but seriously, where's Baru? We got to get back to Alderaan before we get back to Tatooine. But we could just maybe drop in on Baru, maybe. Yeah, maybe Baru's having dreams. What are Baru's dreams like? Is she having nightmares? Is she thinking about opening her bakery or whatever she opened or wish she would have opened in the book? with yeah, her, her cafe with her sweet treats and her blue milk. But I know there's two episodes left, so there's time. There's time for more Baru. It makes me nervous too, because like you read these interviews with Bonnie Peace and she's like, it was so great. I got some more stuff to do. I added more to the character of Baru." And it's like, where is it just going to be in the last episode? Like, is it going to be, is, is she just going to come out and say hello again? (laughs) Uh, probably. Did we curse the whole thing with the Baru crew shirts? We might have, we gotta, we gotta remember when we really like something to just not talk about it. Don't, or at least don't print it on anything. Well, we're hoping you know, the Barou watch the Baru countdown is on. If and when she finally shows up, you will hear a scream. Just look up in the sky, and you'll see a shooting star. You'll everyone will look at their arms, and it'll turn blue because we'll all have bruises from being so excited. <laughs> it'll be like the end of Mission to Mars when they see the the, the star go by. There they go. Have a great trip. Well, and if she doesn't show up, it'll be like in Mission to Mars when the alien cries. That'll be us crying. These Mission to Mars references are totally landing with <laughs> yeah, 100% yeah. of the audience. Too. <laughs> Just wait till the All Mission to Mars podcast comes out. Hundreds of millions of years ago, there was a sudden explosion of life on Earth. The
1: first multi-cell plants and animals appeared. No one has ever understood why or how it happened.
0: Wow. Okay, so something we talked about last week in our recap of part three of Kenobi was the whole thing of the very Jedi trait of compassion and selflessness and how Obi-Wan kind of regaining that compassion was kind of the turning of the tide that could bring about the return of the Jedi in this story. And I think that was, like, in big, bold capital letters all throughout this episode. And it's something that's in a quote, that a George Lucas quote, that we have played a lot on episodes of Blast Points. But
1: because we've played it a lot, let's play it again one more time. Joy is a thing that doesn't go as high as pleasure in terms of your emotional reaction. But it stays with you. Joy... Uh, is something you can recall. Pleasure, you can't. Uh, so the secret is that even though it's not as intense as the pleasure, the joy will last you a lot longer. Pleasure is purely self-centered. It's all about your pleasure. It's about you. It's, about, it's a selfish, self-centered emotion that's created by a self-centered motive of greed. Joy is compassion. Joy is giving yourself to somebody else or something else. And it's a kind of thing that is, in its subtlety and lowness, much more powerful than pleasure. If you get hung up on pleasure, you're doomed. If you pursue joy, you will find everlasting happiness. So with that, I'm gone. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: I mean, you could apply that, of course, to just about anything in Star Wars. But I think after, especially this episode right now, and seeing Obi Wan Kenobi's journey, I think that quote resonates even more right now. Because I think of like the the back to tank scene very early on in this episode, where there's that connection and that back and forth right between Vader slash Anakin in the back to tank and Kenobi in the back to tank, and they're both in there just thrashing around. Neither of them at the end of part three got the the resolution that they wanted. Vader wanted Kenobi, and Kenobi lost Leia. They both wanted someone or something for a reason. But Vader wanting Kenobi is just that selfish reason. He wants revenge. Kenobi's protecting of Leia is now completely selfless it's the turning of the tide for obi-wan kenobi he's back being not only a jedi but he i he's on the path of being like we said in in our recap of three a better version of the jedi we know from the prequels and the Clone wars yeah no that's a really good point because that beginning shot of them both in the tanks like that was right at the beginning i was like okay this episode's grabbing me right away i'm i'm into this, this is the good stuff here and just the visual parallel was really interesting. And then the points you're bringing up where it is, they're both thrashing around in the in the Bhakta. They're both kind of trying to stay alive, but for different reasons. And yeah, Anakin is completely using his rage to give him strength, where Kenobi's using his desire to protect Leia to give him strength. And they're both, in a way getting out of the tank before they probably should because their emotions are stronger than their uh, bodies need to heal. And what's cool in this episode is Kenobi isn't talking about himself at all yet in this episode. It's Leia, Leia, Leia. I have to protect Leia. And the moment that speaks volumes again at the end with the hand the holding the hands and the fact that she takes obi-wan's hand and obi-wan returns it and puts his hand over hers such a simple thoughtful loving gesture of a hand a handhold but it just it speaks massive massive volumes of where obi-wan has how far he's come in this journey so far in just these four episodes well, and him realizing he's getting the relationship that he thought he wa- needed to have with Luke with Leia now because he wasn't allowed to have that relationship with Luke. If he was, and he wasn't even ready for any, a real relationship with Luke because like Owen said, he kind of, he thought he was worried about him, but he was kind of more worried about his mission, not worried about actually making a connection with this child when I think of, too, the fact that Obi-Wan tried to bring the Skyhopper toy to Luke, he's, like he wants that relationship. He's, you know, he's a lonely guy, and you you got to think that in his time in the cave, does Obi, did Obi-Wan ever wonder, like, wh- what if I did things differently? What if I said to Anakin, look, I know about you and Padme, and I'm cool with it? You know, as long as you do your job as a Jedi, I don't care what you guys do. And if, you know, if one day you want to leave the Jedi Order and you, you want to, you know, raise your children in the late country of Naboo, good for you. You know, but I, it's like that was not the Obi-Wan of the prequels or the Clone Wars. He was very duty focused and job focused. And you, we have a job to do, you know, this weapon is your life and all that stuff. I mean, you think of all the stuff with Obi-Wan and Satine like the life he could have had. And it was all like these personal connections that he just constantly either was denied or denied for himself because of his, what he thought his duty to the Jedi order was. I mean, you think of, you you see that's evident in the Phantom Menace when Qui-Gon is just like, well, I'll do whatever the heck I want, Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan's like, why don't you just listen to the council? Why don't you do what they tell you to do? You know, like that, that was his life. That's who he was, but that's not who I think he wants to be anymore. And changes like that in real life don't come overnight. You know, they come through things happening to people where you learn lessons and you're like, this event has changed me and I want to be a better person from that event. And I, I, again, that's kind of like, I love the star Warsy stuff in, in, obi-wan kenobi the show but i also love this kind of stuff just talking about like personal change and how that comes about in this really small story i mean that's in the mandalorian also but it's maybe it's more compact in obi-wan kenobi because we're just dealing with six episodes and not like multiple multiple seasons like the mando mandalorian well and we're really only dealing with A very small amount of characters as well. I mean, most of the interaction is just Leia and and Obi-Wan with a little bit of cutting back with the Inquisitors and the people around it. But it's really just the relationship with those two. And it's starting with Obi-Wan not even wanting to have anything to do with Leia to the point of telling Bale and Bria, no, you know, you're on your own. You figure it out to where now he's holding hands with this little girl and, you know, risking his life multiple times to keep her safe. There's a great quote in the making of Revenge of the Sith book by J.W. Rinsler on page 221, right at the end of the book. Imagine that it's a quote from George Lucas where he's talking about like kind of what he wants people to take away from Revenge of the Sith. But I think it it definitely applies to what we're seeing here in Obi-Wan Kenobi, the show, And Lucas says, it really has to do with learning. Children teach you compassion. They teach you to love unconditionally. Anakin can't be redeemed for all the pain and suffering he's caused. He doesn't right the wrongs, but he stops the horror. The end of the saga is simply Anakin saying, I care about this person regardless of what it means to me. I will throw away everything I, everything I have. Everything I've grown to love, primarily the Emperor, and throw away my life to save this person. And I'm doing it because he has faith in me. He loves me despite the horrible things I've done. I've broke his mother's heart, and he still cares about me, and I can't let that die. It's the good stuff. It makes me think, too, of Obi-Wan Kenobi, how he doesn't really have the highest opinion of himself, like in the first couple few episodes but literally in this episode when he's getting his groove back and it's so great to see it's like again a little visual thing like the the holding the hands when obi-wan is in the hallway taking out like the stormtroopers and he just does the lightsaber twirl you know everybody watching the show at that moment was like oh there he is there's obi-wan and even after he comes out of the bacta tank which we said last week it's always the wink wink you know like the back to tank the, the the rebirth in the water he's literally reborn after he comes out of the back to tank and the outfit he's wearing is his attack of the clones outfit for some reason and his hair is in full like attack of the clones like pompadour mullet fashion yeah i like that they had uh they just that was the shirt that they had on the base but i mean a lot of jedi go through there so they probably had like a closet of random, random jedi clothes so he was like, I like this one. But then I started thinking about it when I was watching it. And I was like, yeah, Attack of the Clones. It's like Obi-Wan at his absolute prime. The Clone Wars haven't begun yet. It's like he's got a mullet and he's got like a sweet outfit. I remember when like Star Wars Insider came out and it was like, look at what Obi-Wan looks like in Episode 2. And you're like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and that's what he goes back to when he comes out of the back to tank and is this Obi-Wan 2.0 And in this episode, something I thought was really, really interesting is that Obi-Wan literally goes through hell. When he is in the basement of the Fortress Inquisitoris or whatever, (laughs) whatever ridiculous name it's called. And he sees all those dead Jedi or force sensitive people, which we'll be talking about more later in this episode when we get to that part. It's literally like he's going through like hell. Right. He's, he had to like cross the, the river Styx to go to the underworld on um, the underneath the water planet, literally. Which it's crazy. Cause like if you look up like the, you know, what does like a trip to the underworld symbolize in mythology, then this is just on Wikipedia, folks. This, is, but when I read this, I was just like, holy crap. The hero. Journeys to the underworld or the land of the dead and returns, often with a quest-like object or a loved one, or with heightened knowledge. The ability to enter the realm of the dead while still alive and to return is proof of the hero's exceptional status as more than mortal. A deity who returns from the underworld demonstrates themes such as the cynical nature of time and existence or the defeat of death and the possibility of immortality. Hmm. who does that sound like? The Obi-Wan of just a few episodes ago could have gone into this hallway and said, all this is because of me because I failed. This is the, this is the reign of the empire. This is the reign of the Sith. And there's Jedi that I used to know there's younglings, there's people, I don't know who the heck they are. This is because I failed. Again, this is Obi-Wan 2.0. This is an Obi-Wan who is acting off compassion and selflessness. He is moving. It freaks him out, of course, but he's determined. He, he, I, he has to get led. There's no time to think about that right now because he knows that he's doing the right thing at this moment. Well, and he may even have had his doubts there when he got into that room. But hearing her scream kind of snapped him out of it. And there was something more important than how he felt or or sinking back into his depression. He didn't have time for that. Which I love that he's not even like 100% near her. Maybe he is when he hears her scream, but... It's almost like through the force, I, I was taking it, at least, that he senses it. Yeah, because it's not really clear where spatially he was, where, where she is. So, yeah, it is almost like he can, he's feeling her screaming more than hearing it, even though we as the watcher can hear it, the viewer. This episode, though, I mean, I, there's the deep stuff. It's, it's like we talked about. It's, this episode is kind of Star Wars magic because it's, it's teetering on the edge of being ridiculous but also these very George Lucas joy versus pleasure and selflessness versus selfishness. It's it's still Obi-Wan and Vader and Leia and Reva, and it's a lot going on, packed into 38 minutes or whatever it is. And yeah, I I really dug this one. I mean, I I'm f I'm four for four so far with Kenobi, but I get it, you know. Well, yeah, this one was definitely it had uh, it had all the all the ingredients that I like so like you said yeah it was deep on the story level and deep on Kenobi swimming underwater deep to get into this base that was underwater it had all the depth that you need.
1: the last time r2d2 was sent by the lovely princess leah with an urgent message for ben kenobi help me obi-wan kenobi with a tiny rebel starship under heavy attack r2 and c-3po flee to the planet below will they make it will they find ben kenobi before darth vader finds them find out in the next thrill-packed commercial for star wars rated pg parental guidance suggested
0: Let's start getting into it. Let's start talking about all the chunky bits, all the happenings in Kenobi Part Four. Starts out where we're wrapping up the end of three. They're getting Obi Wan on a ship. They're going to Planet Jelly Bean. You hear someone saying like, "Get the back to tank ready," and yeah, back and forth in the connection. And then what Obi Wan pops up out of the back to tank. Where's Leia? It's such a tease. I think I said it last week. It's like bring on more Hayden Christensen and getting the glimpses of him in the tank is the good stuff. And is such a tease because I, I, I'm ready for an episode of just Hayden Christensen in the tank just being angry for 20 minutes. I would be fine with that. So it was nice to get the, those little bits and just the cool cross-cutting between the two of them was just, yeah, like we said earlier, it was on so many levels, it was really cool. And I like to when Obi Wan pops up out of the back to tank, and he's uh, where's Leia, and then they immediately cut to Leia with Reva. It reminded me of the Last Jedi with Luke, where's Han, and then immediately cutting to his sad, sad, sad Kylo Ren face. Reva and Leia are starting their interrogation, and Reva's dropping on Leia like Obi Wan is dead. Nobody's coming. And then we cut to the base on Jellybean, and we got O'Shea Jackson Jr. as Roken, and he's uh, running the whole, the path, uh, the Jedi Underground Railroad. I like that he calls Kenobi uh, General, which is kind of cool. Oh, I didn't even catch that. That is cool. I liked Roken's whole base. It kind of reminded me, again, of like episodes of Rebels where we saw the the proto Rebel Alliance of just these weird kind of cells of people that are fighting against the Empire and there's they're rebels but there's no alliance yet kind of thing and they're just using whatever they can to, to fight the Empire whenever they can. My only thing with this scene is it re, again it kind of reminded me of a lot of episodes of Rebels where I was like oh this is really interesting but it moved so quickly just to get to like get the story going where. Maybe it's just me being like a Star Wars fan where it's like I want to spend more time and get to know these characters more. But it it is a kind of a quick turnaround where where Roken is like, get him, get him out of here. Oh, you know, my wife was force sensitive. Okay, let's go. Let's, let's look at Fortress Inquisitoris. It probably felt a little weird because so much else of the show has been kind of – hasn't hesitated to kind of take its time with things. And then here was something new that would have been interesting to spend a little more time with. And it kind of rushed along. But if it had to rush along here to get what we got at the end of the episode, I think it was it was worth it. But we did get the 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 T-47 T's, which totally slipped my mind watching the show. So I was completely surprised at the end when they showed up, even though they basically tell you in this scene that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I like that they, they use them for hauling sewage. Uh, that's what the instead of torpedo gun on the back, it has a like a squirt gun that shoots sewage out of it, maybe. And also in this scene, we are introduced to Wade. <laughs> well, and I kept thinking, is that the dude from Matrix, but somehow he hasn't aged like the same guy, the dust sticks, the same actor? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, does he never age? And they just like figure people forgot that he was in Matrix and Attack of the Clones, or did they cast him because he looks like that actor who is in attack of the clone. So it's fitting, but yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I like that. They say his name like a hundred times. Yeah. Wade, it is fortress inquisitoris. Good job, Wade. His last name is dude. And his middle name is cool. So yeah. What Tala is like, where I'll go to, we're all going to go. Let's make it a party. And then they're, they're flying to fortress inquisitoris. And Obi-Wan is trying to use this, uh, the force on a little thing yeah he's trying to warm up his force juice there he thinks he might need it the uh i I was enjoying the there was the shot i think there of the ship landing on the base was kind of cool. It was a very different star wars ship landing kind of shot, but it was cool where like the ship kind of stayed in the center of the screen, not moving and then everything kind of was moving around it and it was kinda neat. I thought of you I was like that I think that one of our <laughs> One of our first ship landings. <laughs> no, there, there's been, a, I think, there's been at least one in every episode. But I think this was my favorite of the of the ship landings. So it was a gratuitous ship landing. The- yes, it was. When I do like back when they're on the ship too, when Tala is saying, "Don't worry about. It. You can't move this thing. Like you need time to heal. And the past is a hard thing to forget. And some things cannot be forgotten." And well and she's kind of saying too that it's not just your body that's wounded like your mind and your spirit and potentially you know the force your force powers are wounded don't don't forget that there's more that needs to heal than just your skin and and that's kind of like what I was talking about in the beginning too that change comes about like sometimes quickly in situations where your force to, to do something like, like what Obi-Wan has to do. And I think he's probably kind of like, why can't I be the person I used to be? It's like, Obi-Wan hasn't like, we talked about this, I think last week, he's, he's not addressing his problems. That's like what I was saying. You know, my, my crazy theory that Qui-Gon is communicating with him, that Qui-Gon is like, dude, you have to deal with your stuff. And I'm, Making you listen to your stuff so you can deal with it. You've got to address your problems straight on. You can't literally run from your problems. Like we said last week, how he runs from Vader, which Vader is his problem. He's he's not a hundred percent, and he wants to be. And I, I obviously, when he starts doing Mad Force stuff later in this episode, he's getting his groove back. But well, and it's kind of like going back to Book of Boba too, where it's like after the Bacta Tank heals his body. That doesn't heal all the scars. It just heals the external ones. And Obi-Wan's got the same deal where even though he was in the tank a little bit, there's a lot more he's got to work on than just his external wounds. It's not time to walk through Mos Espa smiling, throwing throwing some fruit at the mods yet. Obi-Wan's not there yet. Yeah, yeah. So we got Reva and Leia, and Reva is uh, drilling Leia about where the safe house is. And I love Vivian Lyra Blair playing Leia, and of course, Moses Ingram as Reva. Just two great actresses holding their own. And Vivian is so young, and she's so good, just completely owning these scenes with... Moses Ingram, it's just, it's great. It's just great. It's it's so cool, too, that it's just Star Wars with just two actresses in a room talking to each other, just back and forth. Well, you go back to the original movie, there's a lot of that. So as much as Star Wars is wild and crazy stuff, it's also people sitting at tables having serious discussions. (laughs) Yeah, this was no exception. This was some intense sitting-at-table, serious discussion, Star Wars going on. And so Tala arrives at the fortress as she's walking through. There's all the stuff where she gets stopped by the security. And something, too, where I was, again, like a shout-out in this episode, how much Natalie Holt is kind of quietly killing it in these episodes. Yeah, this episode, the music was really jumping out to me more so than maybe some of the other episodes, and I don't know if it's – it's kind of mixed differently in this show than some of the other Star Wars stuff. It's like more subdued, but like when it gets cooking, like you can feel it. And there was, yeah, this was one time I even wrote that down, like where there's, there's some, uh, it's like Krennic's theme kind of stuff going on where you start bobbing your head a little bit along cause the music's picking up. You know, John Williams got, you know, of course, rightfully so, like a lot of attention with his, with his, Beautiful theme for the show, but there hasn't been enough talk of what Natalie Holt is doing. Kind of like you know when Ludwig came out with Mando, people, everyone's losing their minds, and I don't know, but she's doing an insane job with this show, and it's it's yeah, I can't wait for the the soundtracks to to hit the streaming services like the the Mando and the Book of Boba ones do. Yeah, because her score on the Loki show was like. Probably my favorite part of that show <laughs> was the music that she did. So it's exciting that she's getting to do some Star Wars stuff. And yeah, it'll be nice to hear the actual score and hear the stuff not quite as mixed in with the sound effects as it is on the show. So then we cut to Kenobi underwater. Do you want to go ahead? Just go ahead. Yeah, this is where I was like, OK, I might have been uh, not 100 percent on board with this show. But after, at that point, I was like, OK, you you won me. Over Kenobi show, you have Kenobi with his little breathing underwater thing, swimming in the ocean with random sea creatures sneaking into this base. It's like, okay, we're we're best friends now. Kenobi TV show.
1: <laughs> what, what what
0: are you doing tomorrow? Let's go eat lunch together. He swims next to some weird Star Wars sea shark thing and when he's about to go up into fortress inquisitoris there's like some kind of weird like tooth sea creature like stuck to the side that that they give a real good look at it's kind of almost like the the things that grogu was eating on uh in mandalorian like the little uh starfish squid kind of things it's like okay there's sea creatures in here you know what i like kenobi tv show He gets inside the base and he's sneaking around, which, again, is classic Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars A New Hope. He's sneaking around in Attack of the Clones. He's sneaking around the whole dang movie. He's sneaking around in Revenge of the Sith, spying on Grievous. He's Obi-Wan sneaking around is part of life. Well, we can't get too far ahead that not only was Obi-Wan swimming around, he was swimming around because... Like some weird James Bond fortress villain lair thing, there's like a big door under the water so that they can, I guess, launch submarines, like stormtrooper submarines, which is just awesome to think about. Which also, I mean, there's been a lot of talk with Jedi Fallen Order. That's how you sneak into the base in Fallen Order, too. And in all- Is it? You just go through the big door in the bottom? And in Fallen Order, you swim up to the base. It's the exact same thing. Man, I guess I need to play that game. (laughs) (laughs) I might just need to jump ahead to the last level so I can swim around and sneak through the giant door, but that's that's pretty good. So Reva is trying to read Leia's mind, and she says, uh, the braver you seem, the more afraid you are. And Reva's talking about how she... She knows what that's like. This really got me thinking, too, with Reva and like her backstory. I think everyone pretty much assumes now that she is the, the youngling at the beginning of the show, of episode one. It, it's kind of a far-fetched idea. But if she survived Order 66, I was thinking about the fact that Yoda and Obi-Wan go back to the temple... To send the distress signal, and they look at the, the footage in the, in the archives, what if her and some of the kids that she escaped with were hiding in the temple? Because by the time Obi-Wan and Yoda come back, it's empty. What if they're, hey, Obi-Wan and Yoda, or just Obi-Wan, help us? And it would make total sense if Obi-Wan was like, no. You know, you're on your own. Good luck. Because Obi-Wan at that point has to go to Mustafar to stop Anakin, Vader. That would kind of make sense why Reva would really have a very direct vendetta against Obi-Wan and why she would feel like I asked for help and they wouldn't do it. And this, you know, almost like a similar thing to what Obi-Wan feels or, or Anakin, like this, like, I was reaching out for help, and these people denied it to me. Well, even if it wasn't that blatant, if just she saw them come back to the temple and, and saw them leave without them even looking for, for survivors. Well, we'll find out soon. So Kenobi's still sneaking around. There's the, the cool little probe droids. Are those in the game? I I, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> because I, I was... I was uh, enjoying the, I think, the, like, secret droids or whatever floating around, I, doing their thing. I'm sure someone that knows will let us know very quickly after listening to it. Yes, they are in the game. <laughs> yeah, obviously, you did not play it well enough. Well, the other thing with this base, with the water stuff, too, and, and the water being kind of green, was reminding me of the of the deleted scenes from Revenge of the Sith with all the uh, them swimming in the fuel and the droid ship gags, and then those levels in the Revenge of the Sith game that were kind of based on those scenes that were cut out of the movie. Like this had a lot of that kind of vibe going only instead of the fuel, it was like the the green seawater. I like the murkiness of the water, like outside the windows and everything just creates. Yeah. It's a, like you said, it's a whole vibe that they're doing. Meanwhile, Tala is getting caught over and over and over again and constantly talking her way out of it. Well, for now until she has to start killing her way out of it. Kenobi is still sneaking around, still hiding, and he does the old classic sound force throw to distract the stormtroopers. Then we keep cutting back to Reva and Leia. She's telling her that Kenobi is gone, and the only person that can save her now is herself. Leia tries to bluff. Reva gets all frustrated, demands that she's taken out to the torture chair. This scene, though, got me kind of tripping because at the very end, when Leia is taken out, there's a moment there that lasts for like a second where Reva kind of holds her hand to her chin. looks like she's like deep in thought, where almost she's like, what the heck just happened? Because Leia resisted like the, the forced mind reading. It makes me wonder if... Reva is starting to put it together that Leia's Force-sensitive. Because then Reva would be like, okay, why this girl? Besides being the Princess of Alderaan, why Kenobi? Why this girl? They already had a hunch that Kenobi was on Tatooine in the first episode. If they start to put it together that this girl is Force-sensitive. She's Princess of Alderaan. Why was Obi-Wan on Tatooine? If Revus goes back to Tatooine, kind of be like, I don't care about Kenobi. I don't care about Leia anymore. Why was he there to begin with? She could start to figure out that there's something else there on Tatooine. She probably already sensed it with Owen. I mean, I got that feeling in the first episode that she knew that Owen was hiding something. Yeah. Well, and that... Might be enough of the reason to get us back to Tatooine because we know we have to get back to Tatooine, and there is only two episodes left. So, yeah, maybe she, maybe she figures it out, and she knows Owen's name. If she goes around town looking, I am looking for a moisture farmer named Owen. People could be like, "Oh yeah, he's out beyond the Dune Sea, or something." You know, he's over by Anchorhead or wherever they are, and then we've got a real threat. So, yeah, Leia is taken to the Chair of Pain, and, yeah, so Kenobi enters the Hall of the Dead. The first thing we see is what Terra Sinube from The Clone Wars, what was it, Season 6, Lightsaber Lost, which is, like, he was the, the most lovable, awesome, old, sleepy Jedi, and then it's just, like, nope, now he's dead in this, like, chamber of horrors. So Gabe, what what do you think was going on in this graveyard of thing? I was trying to figure out what's going on if these, if they're, I guess they're dead, but they're like, are they like frozen in amber? Is this like Jurassic Park? Like, are they preserving them so they can get to their Jedi blood for experiments? Is it just like a museum of defeated Jedi Because it kind of reminded me of I think it was at Rebels where there was like they kept getting that signal that there was a Jedi that was alive. And then when they got there, it was just like the mummy of of her body in kind of a tank tomb kind of thing. Luminara. Yeah. Most horrifying moment of all Star Wars until this probably. But it's like they're it looks like they kind of were frozen in this while they were still alive. Like because they're in like really awkward poses. Like is there a machine that just like. Puts Jedi in jello molds, like I don't know i'm 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 intrigued by this this whole thing. How does this work? Yeah, it all looks like they're frozen in the moment they were killed, like some of them have like looks of shock on their face, and some of them don't but yeah and i I've heard people saying that it's relates to like the weird cloning stuff that we saw hinted at in Mando and in Bad Batch. And I saw people talking about like the tank of Snokes in the rise of Skywalker. And it, it is kind of similar. I took it as just twisted evil trophies for Darth Vader to look at, to pump him up. But also there's the thing of Mando, like why did Werner Herzog and Pershing why are they so obsessed with like the blood samples of grogu's blood what was going on with that and what happened at the end of bad batch with taking lama Sue to that weird imperial place in the mountain and they're like we've got work for you to do and all that stuff like there's some kind of crazy thing going on with cloning and like jedi and force powers and stuff that we don't know. We still don't know what's going on, and maybe, maybe, maybe it will all mean something someday. But for now, it's just creepy. When I like too that like there's there's like the there's the youngling, which people were pointing out that the youngling is one of the kids from part one, episode one. It's the same actor that we saw wizards. It is one of the kids that was with in that that whole group in the beginning. But I like that some of the people just look like they're, like, Force-sensitive. There's one, there's a woman in there that had, like, a red headscarf. And that made me think of Lyra Erso, where wasn't it in the Catalyst book that they talk about how she wore, like, a hint of red to show her allegiance to the Jedi? Yeah, there was the, like, non-Force-using Jedi religion people. That kind of worshipped the Force. Yeah, that's true. And they're just bizarre-looking people. Like, somebody looked like like one of like the Emperor's buddies or something, and just like a gladiator-looking dude and stuff. And I, I like that they didn't go the easy route after Terra Sinube of just like, oh, and here's this Jedi and that Jedi, and here's sey tin and here's Kit Fisto, and here's all these people you know. There was just us kind of like Obi-Wan going through it being like, what is going on here? I kept expecting him to see Quinlan Voss. That's who I thought he was going to run into after last episode. Well, if you watch the the very last part when he's leaving, I think or it's it's one it's a wide shot on the far left. There's someone who maybe could be Quinlan. I'll have to look again. It just it's, it would be weird to mention Quinlan in in the third episode and actually have him dead in this one and not show it so i'm gonna think he's still alive for now very cool scene very spooky very dark the fact that there is terra sanube in there is real dark so finally tala's distraction works and kenobi saves leia and i like leia saying you're alive they told me you were dead and it just reminded me of uh well he's not dead well not yet anyway you know (laughs) Well, that rescue scene was cool. They were. It was a cool use of things actually lighting up, and and Kenobi doing the sneaking around in the dark and not turning his saber on until the last minute, so he could sneak in the dark was pretty cool. I like the whole scene too, where Tala is just sweating with Reva, and she's working the the I'm a double agent, triple agent thing, just just like in Berlin. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Just a little hint of Crystal Skull. That's all you need, just a little sprinkle. Just a yeah. little sprinkle. Yeah. It's a little crystal dust. So finally the probe catches up with Kenobi and the alarm goes off and he's fighting troopers and probe droids. Yeah, and he does the twirl. I wrote down in my notes, does the twirl, full love, full compassion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lightsaber action was a treat to see a lot of just flashes of blue saber lightsabers blocking laser blasters again was fun to see. We haven't seen that in a while. It was a, a pretty much a yeah, live action Clone Wars Rebels moment there with a little Revenge of the Sith attack of the clones sprinkled on top. Reva's got a bunch of troopers and she's got purge troopers. Then the glass starts to crack, which of course it does. It happened in Jedi Fallen Order, which I love that it's so Empire where it's like we're going to build an underwater fortress, but we're going to have glass that can very easily shatter from a blaster bolt. It's it's just how it goes. So Obi-Wan holds the water back with the force and he lets it out and, uh, it floods all the troopers and everything. And I love the shot of Obi-Wan running in front of the water. That was the die another day shot for me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Maybe there'll be a Madonna song in the, in the end credits of the last episode. She'll just sing Kenobi over and over again. So they're going to get out of Fortress Inquisitoris. And how do you get out the classic, the big coat escape? Yeah, yeah, that was. So all the all the warm feelings had started with uh, deep sea diving Kenobi just bubbled to a a boiling point when it was. Yeah, let's escape in a really big coat. (laughs) I love it so much. It's so George Lucas. Yeah, it really is. It's so like something out of like just a wacky wacky movie. Well, it's like I can imagine like the story transcripts, and they're trying to like talk through this episode, and they're like, "Well, how are they going to escape? What are they going to do with Leia?" And Luke's is like, "What if the Kenobi had a really big coat?" <laughs> An interview with John Noel. We were we were kind of nervous about the big coat. We we didn't we didn't know if people would like it. <laughs> yeah we had to be careful with the big coat because you know if if, you, if we did it right if we handled it wrong it would just be laughable <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was just yeah the cherry on top of the big dollop of cool whip on top of this yummy star wars water planet cake so reva catches them chills traitor and then in come the speeders with all those classic snow speeder sounds i love the shot of a a speed, I want. I keep wanting to call it a snow speeder, but it's just a speeder. A speeder just close up, floating, shooting straight on at Reva. In an, in an episode full of video gamey, video game moments, that was the video gamiest video game moment of it just. I'm not even going to try to, like, strafe or fly around. I'm just going to hover right in front of the boss and shoot as much as I can <laughs> and hope for the best. Let's hope I get past this level because I've been on it for hours. Yeah, it's just absolutely ridiculous. They're flying away, and Reva, like, throws a box or something at Wade's ship, and it explodes, and Wade goes crashing down into the water, and the other pilot is like, Wade! She, that actress, is like the saddest defeated looking rebel pilot we've ever gotten, and she looked so sad in the ship and then when they landed, and she just looked so sad and it's like, oh my God, she's so sad, she's so sad she just needs to drink some water out of a canteen, like that's how sad she is. Everyone loved Wade, everyone loved Wade, I loved Wade by the when when Wade's ship crashed in the water, I also was like, "No, Wade." Yeah, wait a minute. (laughs) Maybe in the end of the series, if Qui-Gon comes back, Qui-Gon can be like, a who I found in the Cosmic Force. Wade. (laughs) Maybe. We need it. We need to know that he was at peace. Wade, a Star Wars story. Where's the Wade spinoff coming to Disney Plus 2023? We get Tales from the Jedi this year. Maybe we get Tales of the Rebellion next year, and it's just all about Wade. Every episode of Tales of the Jedi, young Ahsoka, Yonduku, Wade will make an appearance. Like, wait, look, it's Wade. The star of the Acolyte actually is Wade. (laughs) It's Wade's great, great grandfather. So they all get away. I love that the speeders fly up into another ship. That ship looked really cool. And then Vader is pissed. Vader picks up Reva and starts choking her. And Reva's trying to explain that she put a tracker on the ship, and Vader's like, okay, I'll stop choking you, but I'm not going to let you drop to the floor yet. Maybe he just doesn't like to bend his head, like his neck, and look down, so it's easier It's easier on his neck. Because, you know, he had to get out of the tank too soon, too, so he just wanted her up at eye level. Yeah, If I could just lift people up to eye level, I would probably do it all the time, too. Yeah, and then they, I love that they go onto the transport ship and uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. comes out and he's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Wait, where's Wade? <laughs> Everybody loved him. So, yeah, then we have the the hand-holding scene. Just a very, very cute, tender moment and you're feeling really good. All compassion, all love, all Jedi. And then, uh-oh, Lola turns back on and she's got a red eye. Yeah, Lola spelled backwards is evil. <laughs> so got to be careful but then i think of leia in the sequel trilogy never underestimate a droid too that's true that yeah lola might be the wrong droid to mess with and she has that that mighty skywalker blood too she's you know she's probably pretty good at fixing things and i don't know there there is a tracker what they say Kenobi is all that matters. I think Reva says that and who knows, will they know where they're going next? Will they, will the empire find out where O'Shea Jackson jr.'s base is? Will they, will they fight again in like, let's, let's do it for Wade. So when this episode comes out, we're just hours away from part five of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but it's interesting. We're at that classic part where, we now have literally seen everything that was shown to us in the trailers, so everything's all new for the final two episodes. Like, do you have any predictions, any thoughts where part five could go? I kind of don't, other than I'm guessing they're going to go back to their jellybean planet base, but whether or not they stay there, or I mean, are they going to go right to Alderon first? maybe. I mean, I got to think we're going to see the Organas and Alderaan again. We know we're going to end up back at Tatooine at some point, but I think, yeah, I'm kind of, I really have no idea where it's going to go next, even if I have an idea where it might go in in the last episode. Yeah, I really have no clue. I mean, I would think that Kenobi would be like, okay, great. We did it. I've got her. We've got to get on some sort of speeder, and we've got to get to Alderaan, but that could be interrupted? I mean, at this point now, does Vader be like, I'm stepping in, I am going to get Kenobi here? Because like we said last week, I don't imagine that that confrontation between Kenobi and Vader is the last time they will meet each other in this show. No, I wouldn't think so. It seems like that was just the... That was the warm up. That there's more unfinished business between them than what they resolve in New Hope. That yeah, I gotta think there's at least one more interaction with those two. Do they drop off Leia and is Obi Wan somehow stopped on his way back to Tatooine? But then what about Lola and the 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 evil Lola now going on? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a, we're at a cool point now where anything is possible. And it's, the threat is pretty real at this point because you've got Reva who's pissed. Maybe Reva's starting to figure out that something special with Leia. You've got Vader who's pissed. Well, we've still got the other Inquisitors who are pissed. We still have the mystery of the Grand Inquisitor. Is he really dead? What's he been up to? Will we ever? Will we even find out what's Baru up to? What's Owen up to? Is Wade really dead? Yeah. Who's feeding Obi Wan's eopi Has someone been giving it yummy, tender, fresh tuna every day? Is it Wade? Did Wade somehow get to Tatooine? It, it might be. It's exciting, and no matter what happens, folks, next week we'll be talking about it, and then we'll, there will be part six. And then then what are we going to do? I don't know. Well, we'll still be talking about it. That's the thing. We're going to be talking about it forever, like it or not. Kenobi is forever. I want-
1: from Kenner. Inflation required batteries not included. You can pretend you have powers when you switch on Kenner's Star Wars lightsaber. Ready to feel the Force? Yeah! Switch on your Star Wars lightsabers. Close your eyes and go! I got it! Me too! Zap! You
0: passed the test! The Force is with you!
1: The Star Wars lightsaber, new from Kenner. Balloons not included. This is actor and creature performer Details from a few of these Star Wars movies set in a galaxy far, far away. And you're listening to Blast Points Podcast with Jason and Gabe. May the Force be with you. And these... Last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise.
0: So folks, you Know the deal with Apple Podcasts. When you get done listening to this episode, we would love it if you would go over there and write a little something nice about the show. It helps more people find Blast Points when they're looking up hey, what's a good Star Wars podcast on apple and if you're listening to this you know what a good star wars podcast is so help us out and if you listen on spotify leave us a star review on there so more people can find us over there too and make sure you check out our website blastpointspodcast.com which is the best place to search for back episodes and make sure you're following us on instagram facebook and twitter And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're a member of the Blast Points Super Chill Group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where I think, what, by the time this episode comes out, there will be the first installment of our Kenobi commentaries, probably? Yes, there will be a full-length commentary of the first three episodes, and then later this month, there will be a... Companion one with the second three episodes. So, if you want even more of us talking about this show, you can head over to the Patreon. And while you're there too, it's got all of our Book of Boba, Bad Batch, Clone Wars, Mando episodes, all kinds of fun stuff over there on the Blast Points Army. And if you are a member of the Blast Points Army, we thank you so, so very much. But that wraps up number 316 here talking about obi-wan kenobi the show part four it's a wild wild ride it's like as i'm talking right now i'm looking around the room i'm in and there's my empty box of obi-wan frosted flakes and the poster from celebration and it's like we were at the red carpet premiere for this show and here we are we're talking about it's it's wild times we're living in folks that's what i'm saying Non stop Kenobi. I think you should take the box of cereal and just keep refilling it with other cereal so whatever you put in that box gets blessed by Kenobiness and you can just keep re-eating out of it. I'm tempted to just put it on my head. Like Conan O'Brien, like the FedEx Pope. That's where that's where I'm at. I think after episode six I'm gonna be wearing that frosted flakes box on my head. Good good luck. <laughs> see see how that box handles it see what happens (laughs) well on that note folks thank you all so much for listening and we'll talk to y'all next week bye bye
1: may the force be with you goodbye old friend may the force be with you idea of why do we think the way we think? Why do we do what we do? Why do we form our society the way we find it? You know, basically, don't kill people yeah. and be compassionate and love people, and so that's basically all Star Wars is. May force be with. All-